this edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, making the world healthier and greener one day at a time. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you all for joining me again today. Well, it's going to be another great show, one that will inspire you to elevate your health. It's going to motivate you to get active. But the best part is that you don't need any fancy gear or expensive clothing, only a comfortable pair of sneakers and a positive mindset, and off you go. So joining me today is author and wellness speaker, Susan Summers. She's going to tell us all about her new book, The Magic of Walking, Your Guide to a Balanced, Purposeful Life. Thank you so much for joining me today, Susan. Thank you so much for having me here. Well, I'm really excited to hear all about your story and about what inspired you. And I know that this book was inspired by your own journey, completing the 778-kilometer El Camino de Santiago, the virtual challenge during the COVID pandemic. Can you share this experience with us and tell us how it acted as a motivation for the book? It was an interesting experience because a year ago in May, when I would usually be preparing for in-person races in the summer, 5K, 10K, I wasn't able to do so as because of COVID. So I looked online and found the Conqueror website. And that's how I got to El Camino. And El Camino was, is a trail, a spiritual trail, actually, in France and Spain, the northern part. And I always wanted to do it, but the timing wasn't right or I didn't have someone to do it with. So I thought this would be my opportunity. I must say that when I started, I had no idea how long it would t- take me. So it really was one foot in front of the other, 15,000 steps a day for four months to do El Camino. And that's amazing, like 15,000 steps a day. You know, I always recommend to all of my patients, you know, you need 10,000 steps to really elevate your health game. But committing to 15,000 steps, regardless of the weather, regardless of what's going on, you really have to commit to that. So what was that like for you? Well, it was interesting because part of it was when the weather got worse, uh, I would often be doing it literally walking around my condo. And in fact, sometimes I only had maybe 10,000 steps and would still need to walk around my condo. So however I needed to do it, I did mall walking whenever I could. So if I needed to be indoors, I had to find a way to complete it. But every day I took a different route. And that's probably what made it interesting. Yeah, that's what I loved about your book. But we're going to get to that a little bit later. So you believe that walking is an ideal way for women to care for their health. So like, how can a commitment to walking improve your physical, mental, and spiritual health? I believe that it, it can make you stronger physically and also give you more confidence in your body and in your mind with stress, the stress of COVID. It's a great way to relieve some of that stress. And because... I started taking pictures when I went on these walks in nature. I started to really do something called forest bathing. I got into nature and started to notice. So that's how I think it can really improve all three parts of it. And so, yeah, while you were competing the El Camino, you realized that it wasn't about the goals or about the performance or even about the outcome. It was really about the journey. So what point during your virtual walking did you come to this revelation? I would say halfway through because I had done two seven and a half hour marathons walking in my early 60s and that I thought was such an achievement but this I had no idea how long it would take me but I knew I just had to do it every day so halfway through I realized it wasn't about the steps I was taking it was about me being out there and very involved in the moment I didn't wear uh, you know I didn't listen to music I didn't use my phone I was just on, on my own in nature. 
And that's a really good point because when I walk slash run, and I do a lot of that, it's my best source of stress reduction. I feel connected to myself. But I have to admit, I do listen to music. And sometimes if my you know phone dies or my AirPods die and I'm like, oh, I'm out of music, I feel like... I'm stressed out for that, you know, couple of minutes that I'm continuing on my walk. But then I realize it's just about connecting to yourself and your thoughts and really being in the moment. And I feel like that was the difference in reading your book and understanding that it isn't always about, you know, getting there and doing it. It's about what's happening in between. So I love that point in the book. And is that how you feel as well? Like you just don't get any distractions? Well, I'm 76 years old. And so at this point in my life, I realized that I have, I'm really coming into my own. So being in the moment is really all I can do. So that has been a really important part of it that I don't know what's coming. I can't change anything that's past, but I can look at where I am right now. And I'm glad you mentioned um, your age because you did start this journey of health and wellness. Um, you know, probably I, I read in the book, you're about 59, but were you always focused on health or did a life changing event put you on this path? My father in Maplewood, New Jersey, had a rowing machine, a chinning a bar, and, and hand weights. But because I was a girl of the 40s and 50s, I never got to use the equipment. I was short and stocky, and so I was the last one picked for the teams. So really, I would say in my teens and 20s, it was smoking, it was diet pills, all those kinds of things, dieting. And so I didn't really get into understanding my body until my mid-40s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 50s, yeah. And then when I I took a job at the YMCA in my 50s as a marketing coach at a business center, I got two free memberships to the YMCA fitness center. And that was in my mid-50s. And that's when I started to go to the Y and started to walk around the track and do some weights classes and then finally entered my first race at 59. And so, you you know, you only started walking in your 40s or so. So I guess the old adage, it's never too late, applies to walking as well. So for anyone who's nervous about starting or committing to walking for fitness, what is your advice? I would say the first thing to do is get a good pair of walking shoes. So go to a running and walking store or a fitness store and get fitted. And the second thing is I love my Fitbit. I really love the fact that I wear something in my, on my wrist that tracks my steps. I've used it in all of these races, these virtual races, so I know at the end of each day how I've done. Plus, it gives me little sayings along the way, keep going, or that was great. So those are two things to start with. And then open the door, start the same time each day. So if you can be consistent and start whatever it is in the morning and start with a shorter period of time and then extend it. The Mayo Clinic has some great walking uh routes, you know, like plans, and you can find it on their website. So that would be another thing I would say, get a walking plan and find a partner. It's much easier to walk with someone else, especially if you're going to be doing it each day. And so that will lead me to my next question. So you, you know, you obviously have children, you have grandchildren. Um, Is your family as involved in your commitment to walking as you are and you do it as a family as well? Well, my hu- my husband wasn't working when I started El Camino, and so he would join me. He's uh, a, a marathoner, Boston marathoner, so he was a runner who's now gotten into walking. So he would join me for the first, I would say, three months. He was with me each day when I was walking, so that was great. And we would just, as I said, either drive somewhere or walk somewhere. My daughters, both of them, are very committed to fitness. They work out, they run. I've been in some races with them where they're running and I'm 
just walking way back when. Both of them were involved in the two marathons that I did. And my granddaughter, who's now 16, when she was six, uh, my husband and I asked her to join us in a 5K walk. And she was not that athletic. She was tall and gawky, but not athletic. And he said to her, I don't care if you hop, jump, skip, crawl, or whatever. Lauren, you're going to cross that finish line. And that made a big difference for her. By the way, there's something called uh, Girls on the Run, which is an American uh, organization, which organizes fantastic runs for girls, walks and runs for girls. Yeah, it's really important to encourage our young ones to be physically active. Um, I think that's really important. But I feel like you've done so many marathons now, and, you know, probably each one is different because that's been my own experience. Have you ever started a marathon, or how do you start a marathon? Are you nervous? Are you anxious? Does everyone end the same, every single one of them? What are the emotions that are running through you, and what were some moments where you thought you weren't going to make it? Well, the shorter, shorter races, the 5 and 10K or even the half marathons, I sort of got the feeling of them, and I knew that there would be a finish line. Like the, the 5K I could do in about 45 minutes, but the marathons, the two marathons I did, the first one when I was 61 uh, was great. I was out there for seven and a half hours. I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. I had a few other people joining me, like my daughter and a couple of friends, and there were 50 people behind me. But the second marathon that I did, uh, that really changed my life because I was 63. I was the last one. It was seven and a half hours. There was no finish line. There was no cheering crowd, and there was no medal. That marathon led me to write my first book, A Power Source for Women, because I was, you know, I just couldn't believe that in spite of everything, I had finished the race. And it really changed my life. And then I did it two years later again, and then I've never done it again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like you've done a lot anyway, so that's amazing, amazing. I I actually love that you recommend in your book taking your date night on the road. And especially since during COVID-19 lockdowns, we had so many restrictions. We didn't really have anything to do. So that was a great way to connect with your partner. But why do you recommend this and how can it enhance your relationship? Well, I think you're more relaxed when you're out there walking and it's a, a chance to communicate or just to be together. It's a chance to notice the things around you and to maybe discuss some things that are going on in a very nature-based way, right? So I think it's a good way, and also to feel support. It's great when someone supports you in your fitness. I think that's part of it, too. Right, like having an accountability partner. Yes, and exactly. And somebody who's going to help to motivate you. I think that's a really important point. So when you start, how do you choose? Like, I know you like to give back a lot, so you're always committed to, like, being involved in a race where you can give back. How does that help you, and where can people find resources on that? Uh, I think that giving back is definitely part of it. I like, for example, I just did the Run for Women, which is one of my favorite races. It's in Toronto, it's the Women's College Hospital, but across Canada, different hospitals and organizations are involved. And I did it virtually. And the money raised is for mental health programs for women. So I do look for causes that I actually believe in, and then I get involved. And of course, it's, it, I liked it more when I was doing them in person, but you can still do those kinds of races online. There are so many of them at so many great causes that, uh, you, you know, looking for those kind of websites and start with a 5K walk. 5K for me is 45 minutes of walking. So usually they give you about a month 
Mm-hmm. To, to complete whatever the, the course is. And so in a month, you can break it up. And so it's not really, uh, you know, a big, big job. And for the first time this year, I formed my own power source for women team. And I had people fundraising for mental health for, for girls and women and also joining my team. So those are some of the ways I think you can get involved. And now going from being, you know, outdoors and committing to this to the walk slash race outside, was it hard for you to transition to virtual? And because I feel like that was one of the things that concerned me. I love being outside. I love being in nature when I'm exercising and having to change from, you know, being outside to being online. That's really hard. Was that difficult for you as well? The uh, Conqueror website actually made it very easy because I started with shorter routes, which, uh, you know, they've got a whole variety of, of lengths. So there's, and by doing that, I was able to f- uh, finish a race and feel like it, I achieved it. But there were two things they did that I think were absolutely key. One, they sent postcards along the way. So, for example, with El Camino, I get a postcard saying, welcome to a certain town stop here and eat at a certain restaurant, you know, look around. Some of the scenery is absolutely gorgeous. And then the other thing is they plant trees along the way, actual trees in your name. So those two things combined with my Fitbit and knowing that each day the Fitbit was tracking it enabled me to do it. And then there is a gorgeous, they have beautiful medals. If you go to the website, Conqueror Events, you see these beautiful medals, actually nicer than the ones I got when I was doing the in-person races. So for me, being competitive and liking those goodies, (laughs) that motivated me. I love it. And I do love my Fitbit. Any smart device is a must-have if you're going to be on a wellness journey. When we come back, Susan's latest book, The Magic of Walking, Your Guide to a Balanced, Purposeful Life. This is The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059theregion or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 1059 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. Before the break, Susan offered her advice on how to embark on the journey of walking for health and well-being. And in her new book, The Magic of Walking, she gives us insight and tips on how to achieve physical health as well as mental and emotional clarity. So I have to say, I really, I love the book. I read it like from front to back. And it was so helpful in giving me clear steps for success and getting the most out of a commitment to walking. Now, as a chiropractor, I believe in movement. And to me, it doesn't matter how you move and what capacity. I just advocate for moving um, and being as physically active as you can. So in your book, you tell readers about the seven types of walking meditation. To me, this is like amazing because I'm a huge meditator. And when you can combine it with a relaxing activity like walking, oh, my gosh, it's a double win. So what are the seven types of walking meditations? So the seven types of walking meditation, the first one is walking back and forth on a single path where you'd actually choose a straight line and walk uh, that way. The second one is then walking meditation, which is walking clockwise between sessions of seated meditation. The third one is a walking meditation using affirmations. So this one you combine talking to yourself with walking. The fourth one is mindful walking meditation where you actually are very involved in sensations of your body and what's happening around you. 
The next one is Daoist walking meditation, uh, Chinese traditional focused on physical health and using visualization. It's more free form. And the final one is meditative walks in other traditions, such as labyrinth walking. I don't know if you've seen labyrinths. I know in Toronto we have one down at High Park. And that's also a very interesting way to go through a maze and feel like you're achieving something. So there's so many different ways to walk. And then, of course, the other thing is breathing. There are ways to walk while using certain breathing techniques as well. I love that. And it's so important to use walking and relaxing as a way to kind of connect the the mind with the body. It's really, really important. So I love that advice. It was really helpful for me too. Um, So how do you recommend using this book as a tool to achieve a healthy mind, body, and spirit? I, I, the reason I wrote the book, you can see it's part memoir and part tips and information. I wrote the book because I wanted to write a book that I would have wanted to use myself. So I see it as the kind of book that you pick up and put down. In fact, the size is small because I see that someone could take it with them, put it in a purse or carry it. And the way to start is probably to look at all the different chapters and start with the internet. Go on the internet and do some research and look for some either walk races that you can get into or, as I said, types of walking shoes or uh, different kinds of things that you can use when you're walking. And then just start, you know, like uh, walk out the door and try a short one. The other thing I think is really key is try to join a group. Mm -hmm. Walking groups are really important and you can find all these things online. You can find lots of uh, walking groups or start your own. And I've seen, even though I haven't, I think I belong to one walking group when I was at the Y, but I've seen when women get together in a walking group, not only do they have a camaraderie, but at the end they have a cup of coffee together and they just feel like they're sharing information and goals. It's very hard to get motivated to do this every day on your own, the same time. And I think the more you have uh, a, a group of people supporting you, the better it's called an accountability team, mm-hmm. whether it's online or in person, the more you have people who you're accountable to, the easier I think it makes it because you've got those cheerleaders like I had in the marathons. Mm-hmm. It's a good point. And also, it's a great way to meet new people and to expand your social circles, especially now since we're, you know, we've been kind of locked up for, you know, 18 months with not a lot of opportunity to be active and meet new people. So I actually think it's a really good place to start and, and expand your friends group and your um, resources, really. So I love that. And I think you can also go on to hikes. You know, there are so many hikes that are available where the Bruce Trail, for example, would be one where you can get on a bus and go there or drive there. Uh, And that's another way to expand your walking to another element where you're out for two or three hours. Maybe you, you eat outside. So there are just so many different ways to do it. And what in, what really motivated me about your book, and, and there was a part where, you know, you're talking about the elements. You know, when you commit to doing something and you're out there, you commit and you get to experience different things and you get to understand the strength of your body. So whether it's raining or snowing or whether it's 10 below zero or 30 above zero, you're out there, you're doing something, and it's just really teaching you and letting you realize the strength that your own body has. I loved that about the book. Well, here's something interesting. I don't like being outside <laughs> in the cold and in the rain. Really, I don't like it. I have had to do it. Mm-hmm. 
Right. But I I never dressed right. That was part of it. So now I, I love Uniqlo, which is a store, a chain that you can get all these great, whatever brand you get, you get these un, things to put under your clothes. And I now dress for the weather. And I actually started tried snowshoeing this year, which I'd never done in my life. And that gave me another thing that I can do again, walk out the door, put on the snowshoes and just move. So and then mall walking, you know, if you want to be indoors. But I think it's important to really embrace the elements because there is a beauty. I took a lot of pictures in the winter as well, outdoors. There's a beauty in being in nature in the winter that I think I avoided all those years. Right. I think we've all done that. But I feel like we've all learned that just getting outside, regardless of what's happening with the elements, is really good for the soul. And you, in your book, you also talk about it's important to set a goal to complete a walking race. So let's talk a little bit about that. Why is that important? And how, why do you set a goal for yourself? With a walking race, and as I said, it, it, you probably would start with a 5K walk race. It gives you something to work towards, and also it forces you to create a plan because you know that you're going to have X number of weeks to get there, and then there will be the race. And so it really gives you a chance to each week commit to being at, outside or inside at the same time and doing a certain amount of uh, steps. And at the end, there, it's so exciting being in a race you know, especially like the walk races, because you see women and men of all sizes and shapes, and a lot of them I'll talk to, it's their first race. They have no idea what to expect. But I know that when they, fin- they cross that finish line, they will, be, they will have achieved something. And I must say that when I started doing these walk races, I was very competitive because I'm a Sagittarius and I am competitive. So I would start the race and I'd say, I'm going to pass the woman in the pink top. And so I would pass her, and then five minutes later, she would pass me. And so I learned very early in these walk races that I have to go at my own pace. And my goal now in every race is to finish a race uninjured. And that's it. I think that's enough to do, you know? absolutely. (laughs) I love that. And I also like that you encourage those people who are going to engage in a walking, um, you know, race or whatever it is, you encourage them to have a physical activity contract with yourself. Why is this an important part of the walking journey or the physical fitness journey? I started to really, I think in those races, I started to talk to myself (laughs) and having... (laughs) That kind of contract re- really helped me to just say, look, what, this is what you said you would do, or come on, it's just a little bit more. Or, and then I just made sure that I dressed right for these races and that I you know, really tried not to, to fall. That's very important to me is not to be injured. And being accountable to yourself, I think, is so important, more important than being accountable to other people, just knowing that you come through for yourself. That's a really good point. And then you watch the little improvements in your life and your health and you see how everything really does come together when you're physically active. I love that. But we all need vacations. We all need to get away. And sometimes when you're away, it can be stressful if you're trying to maintain a certain level of physical activity. So how do you recommend being active while you're away? Well, I think there are so many opportunities when you, because I go on a number of trips. So first of all, if you come to, if you go to a city, look for the tourism uh, center in the city and look for walking maps. So any kind of, even, you know, if it's self, uh, self-guided walking maps, that's wonderful. Another thing in cities is a lot of them will have someone holding an umbrella who's a, a local who does walking tours. 
So look for someone who is doing a walking tour and sign up for it. And often they're, they don't charge, but they, you know, you can definitely give a tip. The hotel, if you're staying at a hotel, find out what a lot of them will now have walking and running routes because over the years so many people have asked for those kinds of things. And the other thing I love to do is I love the hop-on, hop-off buses because what I'll do is I'll get to a city or a town and I'll go all the way around one route of the bus and see which places look like good places to walk. And then I will go around again and get off and, and walk. So there are a lot of opportunities to do walking uh, in, in when you're on vacation. And I think that's that's also very important to note that you can get some steps in. Just take your smart device and off you go. But earlier in the show, you we mentioned a little bit about forest bathing. And I think this is a really interesting point and not many people know what it is. So I want to talk a little bit about it and how do you incorporate it into your walking journey? And how does it improve your health? So forest bathing, uh, which is a Japanese concept, is the idea of being in nature and soaking it in, and there, on online, if you look up forest bathing, there are 50, they have a, and I have it in the book, 50 ways to forest bathe. So it's really incorporating every one of your senses. So it's being still or moving slowly and listening, smelling, touching, seeing, all the things that you do, being so in the moment that you absorb what's going on. And it's interesting because in uh, one of the towns near me, they actually, in, the, in one of the trails, they have forest bathing stops along the way where they have signs in Unionville where they have signs saying, you're here, now do this, look this way or touch this or whatever. So it's really a great way to be in the moment and not go any faster than you need to. Well, a really interesting point or note about me that I'm sure listeners will find interesting is that when I go walking, I actually talk to trees. And my kids, they I do, my kids think I'm absolutely crazy, but I tell them all the time that the trees have stories. They've been around for 100 years. They can tell us things. You just have to listen. And honestly, talking to a tree and telling a tree something nice or telling your deepest and darkest secrets, I think is liberating. So I think in that way alone, it can help with our health and well-being. So thank you for sharing that with us. Well, it's interesting because I now walk with a friend of mine who I've known for 40 years. Every morning at a quarter to eight in the morning, we walk in a ravine behind where I live. And she was never a walker. And when we started, she said, I don't think that I can do this. We walked for uh, probably over an hour. But she's very visual. And so she is the one who will say to me, notice that leaf or that bud or can you hear that sound or look at that bird. And she really helps me to absolutely focus on what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I I actually listen to the birds and my kids tease me and tell me I think I'm Snow White. So, (laughs) But it's, it's all in good fun and it's all about being physically active as much as you can. And I really enjoyed your book and I cannot thank you enough for joining me today. Now, if listeners want to learn more about you or order your book, how can they do that? Well, um, they, first of all, they can go to my website, powersourceforwomen.com, and the book is for sale there. But something very exciting happened yesterday. Running Room is featuring my book in their online bookstore. Wow. And they are going to be selling it there and with free delivery. So this, for me, is monumental because they've always been so involved with running books, and I've always felt that there weren't enough walking books. So my book is now for sale on the Running Room website, .ca website. They can get me at Instagram through Power Source for Women or Facebook 
facebook.com, Susan Summers. <laughs> On Twitter, I'm at Blonde Bookie because I'm an author. <laughs> I did that a long time ago, but I absolutely love it. And I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm active on LinkedIn because I had my own PR firm, and for years I had people that I worked with, you know, or clients I had. So it's uh, LinkedIn.com, Susan Summers, 507-880. So those are my handles. So really, or email me, Susan at SusanSummers.ca, S-O-M-M-E-R-S. Yeah. I'd love to hear from them. Absolutely, and I'm sure you're going to get a lot of interested uh, people, and The Running Room is a great source for everything health and fitness, so amazing for you. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And anybody wants to find me can find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Macchiella or my website, ClaudiaMacchiella.com. That's our show for this week. For previous broadcasts of The Wellness Prescription, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at HealthyPlanetCanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.